Hello, Bears! Let's play some football! Who's next? Bears Hour Live with Lauren Cox and the Draft Doc, Philitoshin. Hold up. Osweiler play fake quickly sets up in the pocket with time. Osweiler tight spiral left side and it's intercepted. Wrestled away from DeAndre Hopkins. Tracy Porter swipes him inside the 25 yard line of the Bears. Bears football and a takeaway in Houston. Snap Hoyer from under center side steps to the pocket, taps the ball, going to the end zone. He's got Meredith up in the air, leaping catch. Touchdown. Touchdown Bears. And Cameron Meredith backing up as he leaped for the catch. And the Bears are an extra point away from tying the game. Somebody bring me back some money, please. You play to win the game. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Double your money and make it stack. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You're listening to Lauren Cox and Philatotion on this Thursday night, previewing the Bears and upcoming Monday night matchup. Then the Minnesota Vikings are at the top of the NFC North right now, and the Chicago Bears are at the bottom of the NFC North right now. But still, you kind of get this feeling like this isn't a, a lost game for the Bears, even at one and five or one and six, excuse me, heading into this game. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings are good, but they got a little bit exposed last week against the, the Philadelphia Eagles and. Obviously, the return of Jay Cutler is going to be huge for the Chicago Bears. Phil, I think that's where we should start. What do you think the biggest thing is going to be for Jay Cutler in this game? What do the Bears need from him? What, what, is, what does he have to do to put this team over the top? Well, I think he's got to make the big play. He's got to be able to do what Brian Hoyer wasn't able to do, and that's get that ball over the top outside the hashes on the money. We've seen him do it time and time again in the past. And a lot of focus is always on his turnovers, but this guy throws some of the best deep balls and accurate balls you've seen in the NFL. There's no question in the guy's talent. You know, obviously the offensive line is going to be the key to the whole game, Lauren, when it comes to Monday night football. So protecting Cutler, keeping him upright is going to allow Cutler to make plays downfield, keep the ball in his possession, and you know, really try to establish that run game. That's gonna help Jay. And we didn't see any of that in the first game against Houston. I think they were just starting to feel themselves out. You know, it's unfortunate with the injury. So it's going to be exciting to see Cutler back behind center for the Chicago Bears come Monday night. And, you know, it, the timing, as we talked about all week, is, is just the worst for him this week with Josh Sitton and both and Kyle Long on the mend right now. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of optimism that either one will play, especially considering the team brought up Cornelius Edison from the practice squad this week. really seems like the Bears are going to be even thinner up front than they were, you know, even all week with, last week with Brian Hoyer, where you know the guy was getting thrown apart before Matt Barkley ended up coming in the game, and then Kyle Long leaves again in that game and doesn't come back. It's it's a little bit, you know, it's, it sucks that that's kind of in the story of Jay Cutler's career at this point. And if Eric Cush and Ted Larson are in there, they're not going to have a great time against this Vikings defensive line that's been 
very solid all season. And you know, and you got to get him. You got to get this offensive line some confidence in the running game, like you said, and, and that can help them in the pass protection. But at the same time, it's up to Dowell Loggins to to make sure this offense is getting rid of the ball quickly, like it was with Brian Hoyer for a long time. When you saw this offensive line having success, it's a lot of those three-step, five-step drops, getting the ball out quickly over the middle, and you know, allowing Jay to take the shots sometimes. Though I mean, they're going to be plays where. You have to convert the third and long. Like you said, with Brian Hoyer, he couldn't do it. But Hoyer had Alshon Jeffrey deep open on a number of plays, other receivers as well. And, you know, there, there are going to be times when the offensive line, you know, you give them help with a tight end or a running back, and you, you maybe move the pocket and you give Jay that extra time to throw it to convert those big third downs, to get those big chunks of yardage through the air that you just weren't able to do with Brian Hoyer. Yeah, without a doubt. It's poor timing. You know, you want to see – and a, a very cr- crucial point in this is seeing this offensive line, you know, attack the line of scrimmage, man blocking. You know, we've seen a lot of zone stuff, and it kind of is hit or miss with this offensive line, whether or not they're going to make the reach block or get backside and create that backside hole by getting the cutoff block. We don't see it on a consistent basis. I, and I believe you agree with me, don't think they have the talent at the tackle position to set the edge, get to the next level, and do the things they need to do in the run game. What better week to show Minnesota something difference and go into a more physical, at-the-point, man-block, power game behind Kadeem Carey and Jordan Howard. It just makes too much sense. But, Lauren, everything that makes sense tends to not happen with Coach John Fox at the helm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The Minnesota Vikings are an absolute perfect example of what you were just talking about. I mean, their team with both of their, you know, week one starting offensive tackles, at least the guys who were supposed to start week one, they're both on injured reserve. They're, They're rotating in their fifth offensive tackle now, Jake Long. And, they just don't have the edge setters in the running game. So they switched, and they've been doing a lot more man and power blocking like you talk about. Last week against the Eagles, they did you know they get a fullback in there, and they just let their guys block man-on-man, pull a guard or two, and they do a little bit of zone to mix it up. And you know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't when you have tackles that can't hold down a side and you get guys coming from the backside to, to make plays in the backfield. But it's enough that you know the, the man blocking gets their confidence it gets their running backs you know they don't have adrian peterson you know, they haven't had him for much of the season but guys like jerick mckinnon are playing well for them and because they're making it easy enough on him and these man these man blocking concepts the running back doesn't have to do a whole lot of reading he just kind of sees the whole opening there's only one hole that he's supposed to go through for the most part but he and matt asiata have provided a pretty steady ground game because you know even in spite of their struggling offensive linemen they're scheming them to success, and that's not what we've seen the Bears do. But they could certainly take a note from Norv Turner and, and Dowell Loggins could could really mix it up and open some things up for Jordan Howard and Kadeem Carey. And I'm a little concerned that, you know, we talk about the Bears' offense reverting back to what it was against the Houston Texans now that Jay Cutler's back. Jeremy Langford is also expected to be back. And part of me is concerned that they're just going to give him the starting job because that seems like a very Dowell Loggins, Bears offense in 2016 thing to do that, oh, well, Jeremy Langford's back, so we'll just keep giving it to him, even though Jordan Howard and Kadeem Carey have both proven to be much better running backs this year. That's a really interesting talking point. It seems like, and correct me or stop me if I'm wrong, anybody in or on this team that seems to get 
in a groove, so to speak, or somewhere you're able to hang your hat on their based on their performance, all of a sudden the next week out the gate, that person might not even be in the starting lineup. It's become that almost comical. And and guys like Bobby Massey, who seem to hit like a railroad track, uh, hitting the electrics, you know, side of the railroad track, the third rail, every game, it seems like he has these mental breakdowns and he's yet to be pulled from the game. So the consistency of what the expectation is surrounding this football team and, and playing the players that you see take a next step and become intricate game planned part of the offense step definitely starting with Jordan Howard it becomes almost up in the air every week when the Chicago Bears play where they're going to go with the football and how they're going to handle it so to your point Lauren very well could be Jeremy Langford starting this football game out of the blue after he's been out for, what, seven weeks now, all of a sudden he'll be starting. And, you know, you you talk about that sort of the strange depth chart decisions as far as, you know, keeping guys out there that shouldn't be and randomly putting guys back in when other players have been playing better. And and just before we started the show here, Shane Marsa of the Bears Barroom sent me a link to a, a pro football talk article back from 2015 when John Fox left the Denver Broncos. And mm-hmm. it was about how when he, when Fox was with the Carolina Panthers in his last year, and it was pretty obvious that Fox wasn't going to get a contract extension and that Fox was kind of looking around for other jobs at that point, he, the, the decisions he made at quarterback were very similar in the sense because they had, you know, they had cut, they had cut uh, Jake, De, they were going to cut Jake DeLome after that season. And he had uh, Matt, or they had just cut Jake Lum. They had Matt Moore and, and Jimmy Clausen going into the season, and Fox didn't really seem to want either one, and he didn't seem to like either one as a legitimate starting quarterback option. So when Jimmy Clausen got hurt that season, he started Brian St. Pierre, who they had signed off the street as an emergency backup, and so they started him over a rookie Tony Pica that they had, and Pierre threw, you know, was just kind of thrown in there because Fox wanted him, and it sounds like. Fox made that decision single-handedly, and then huh. it uh, made their general manager cut short a scouting trip to Alabama to come back to attempt damage control. So th- th- this article was talking about how what's going to happen with Peyton Manning and John Fox in the future, but certainly I think that's a good it's a it's a good glimpse into the same thing that's happening with Jay Cutler this year. And a big shout out to Shane Marsaw for uh, sharing that article with me just now. But you know maybe you're starting to see a guy that sees this team as one in six. And it's kind of just saying, screw it, I'm making these decisions because Ryan Pace doesn't seem to be stopping him or putting much emphasis on it. And obviously somebody like Dowell Loggins or Vic Fangio can't overrule John Fox because he is their boss. So certainly a lot of reason to be concerned about what what the playing time is going to be like for these players. It's going to be John Fox's guys. It seems like if, if this is the same trend that he's been on apparently now at his last two head coaching stops. Well, that's... A really tough pill to swallow listening in to that and putting perspective on it, especially when it comes to your starting quarterback. I know there was mutiny on the bounty today in regards to the Chicago Tribune's article about John Fox 
telling friends he had he was done with Cutler was the exact quote. Uh, John Fox denied such a thing at the presser, and of course, and um, so what else is he gonna say? You know, oh yeah, I do hate Jay Cutler, but I'm gonna start him on Sunday. But but or the reality the reality of this, Lauren, is all the tea petals and the red carpet was basically laid out. Forget the tea petals, you know. You're looking at a guy who basically said nothing of the sort, played it middle ground, but middle ground, when your quarterback is your starting quarterback, you roll with that guy no matter what. So when he's injured, there's nothing changed. Right now we're going with Brian Hoyer till Jay Cutler's ready. That message, a simple sentence like that was never sent. And I've, Talked on the Daily Dose at BearsBarroom.com all throughout the month of October leading up to the Jaguars game that Jay Cutler was ready to come back. That From the people I talked to, he was healthy enough to play and he was upset about it. And rightfully so. This head coach seems to have lied. And last night, uh, if you listen to the podcast today, Aldo Gandia said, Tanking, the exact quote that he was talking about with John Fox, something that you can't get out of that, you know, just next season. If you decide that that's the kind of environment you're setting a precedence and sending that message throughout your roster that it's okay to lose, we're going to put, and we're not going to put the best guys on the field to play football, then you're all of a sudden changing a culture. So if you have a fear of this coaching staff developing quarterbacks in the future, and you have this fear that John Fox doesn't play the right personnel if he feels as though it's going to look or make him look embarrassed or not be in a position to better himself, then we have serious issues with the head coach and Ryan Pace who is going to speak during the bye week, needs to address these issues, especially with your starting quarterback, who Ryan Pace quoted. I know uh, Rich Campbell of Chicago Tribune had a hard time swallowing words that are pretty basic. When you say you're building around your quarterback, whoever that quarterback may be is the guy you're building around. So just place uh, Aaron Rodgers name in that sentence and i don't think ted thompson's confused at what's going on for the for their team or or are we confused about what's going on with the chicago bears lauren and i know we're getting a little bit uh away from the bears vikings game so i'd like to i'd like to steer it back towards that a little bit um looking again sort of at, at what what this offense has to do with with jay cutler who they're going to start this week and Beyond that, like you said, the bye week with Ryan Pace, looking for some more clarity in the future there. But certainly this week, if you're Dowell Loggins, we talked a little bit about it, but what is your game plan? How do you come out, how do you come out and start this game, and, and what is your offensive game plan moving forward to, to attack a, a really strong front seven by the Minnesota Vikings that has made their secondary look very good as a result? Well, we know what Dowell Loggins is going to do. I already could see the first play from scrimmage in my head. You're gonna have own run, <laughs> and then three straight you're gonna passes. Have, 
Logan Paulson's going to be your tight end. And his agent said he's having a great year, Phil. I don't know what you're talking about, Logan Paulson. <laughs> Apparently, we don't know what we're talking about. Logan's going to miss his block on the outside zone as well as Bobby Massey. There's going to be penetration that's going to lead to a loss in the back, tackle for a loss in the backfield, and is going to fire up a defensive line that essentially doesn't know how they're going to play. They want to play great this week, that's their motivation. But if you allow penetration, you know, it all starts up front. <laughs> I just see Dow Loggins' game plan. Instead of saying, we got to beat these guys tooth and nail and, and run power and, and really focus on that, I think you're in for a long night trying to run the football. It It, it just seems to me like we're not gonna we're not gonna see this consistent ground game, even though that's obviously what you have to do, but it's like every single week it's like, oh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know their defense is bad, so just pound it to them in the ground <laughs> and then take the ball out of Brian Hoyer's hands and what happens? You throw the ball almost fifty times and you know, Jordan Howard is left kinda on the sideline waiting to get out there, waiting to get the ball in his hands more. And it's just week after week there's not really any hope for me that that's gonna change. I mean the game, the game plan. This isn't that hard, you know. What Lauren, I mean? you were up ten points against the Jaguars. Keep throwing, Dowell Loggins football, and you couldn't take this guy who's two hundred and thirty-five pounds and mix him in with Kadeem Carey and attack the line of scrimmage. I mean, you have three healthy young running backs that we talked all season about finding ways. The hard part wasn't going to be to find a good running back. It was going to be hard to get them all carries. It was going to be hard to get them all the ball in their hands. And instead, the hard part has actually been the play caller calling plays to get them the ball in their hands. It's not that they can't balance it enough between the three. It's that they can't even get one of them the ball consistently. And it's it's so frustrating when you look at this roster. And it, it kind of goes back to the Ryan Pace versus the coaching staff dichotomy there where you have three really good running backs on your roster, and yet – this coaching staff isn't utilizing them properly, isn't getting them on the field, isn't using their strength. I mean, you can you can really utilize all three of these guys in their own different ways that you feel most comfortable with them. You know, a lot of Jeremy Langford in the passing game, even motion him out to wide receiver like we saw the Falcons do with Tevin Coleman this past week. He played a lot of wide receiver and had a pretty big game for them. If I'm Dowell Loggins, I see that in, you know, dollar signs getting my eyes for this kid at wide receiver. You know, you can get both he and Howard on the field, get the defense in some different personnel to try and stop the you know the multi running back attack and then motion a guy like Langford out, spread him out, and then you know take advantage of matchups. I mean, you have talented weapons on this offense that you're just not seeing an offensive coordinator game plan for, scheme for. You know, get Alshon Jeffrey in some one on one matchups against Xavier Rhodes, who he had a great time against as a rookie when, when mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes was a rookie in 2013 for that 249 yard performance against the Vikings. And, you know, get Eddie Royal, assuming he's healthy, get him in some matchups against, you know, a guy like Trey Waynes in the slot that I don't think he can really keep up with. Obviously Captain Munderland I think is a better slot corner for the Vikings and he's been he's been more their primary guy there. But when they get Waynes on the field you have to get a good wide receiver matched up against him because I think he's the weakest guy at cornerback right now. And even, you know, a guy like Harrison Smith, maybe you 
run some routes to kind of distract him and take him out of the middle of the field. So you can have a guy like Cameron Meredith, who maybe the Vikings won't take as seriously as a guy like Alshon Jeffrey or Eddie Royal, you know, get Meredith that one-on-one matchup across the middle and let Jay fire to the downfield and hit him because they've shown some of that chemistry in the past. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can scheme this offense to, to success, and it's just it's frustrating that you can't expect Donald Loggins to do any of that. Maybe we'll see the moving pocket because we've seen that with Brian Hoyer. We'll see a couple rollouts that give Jay an easy half-field read, and maybe he'll actually be able to throw to the guy that passes the sticks instead of just the speed out at the line of scrimmage. That might be uh, as much as we can look forward to as far as encouraging things from this offense. Yeah, you really got to be able to run the football to slow down that pass rush to give Jay time in the pocket. You know, people and most people were, you know, having a parade for Brian Hoyer against the Indianapolis Colts and the Detroit Lions when they were completely not the defensive lines that Cutler had seen the previous two weeks in Philadelphia and then to open the season against the Houston Texans. This week, you're dealing with a possibly better or if not better in the ballpark as those two defensive lines he faced to begin the season. The offensive line is missing Kyle Long and Sitton. Hopefully one of them will be able to play, but ultimately they're going to be playing hurt or banged up. We got to see this quarterback Get time in the pocket. So the best way you're going to be able to do that is to allow him the running game to help aid, shorten the game, keep your defense off the field because that's another thing that they continue to do is allow that defense to continue to roll out there, continue to have to deal with what it is, the exhaustion of being at Lambeau Field or whatever was – you know, gassing this football team. Now you're able to run the football, take time off the clock, use the whole field. And like you said, Lauren, get Cam Meredith and Alshon Jeffrey involved. Stress another team's defense. Stop putting everything on your own defense because I thought your defense played really well actually last week. And I think the offense really didn't aid them and help to collapse them. So this is going to be important to see this team establish that run, boot action game, power game, and force the game to be shorter and the defense to be off the field. And let's talk about that defense that that did have a pretty solid game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, on the score, we look at the scoreboard and they allowed 26 points, which is, you know, at, on a whole too many, but... For three quarters of that game, they had only allowed uh, 13, and really they only allowed another 13 in the fourth quarter because the offense couldn't stay on the field, and these guys were just worn out. I mean, you saw guys like Akeem Hicks playing a lot of snaps, and you know you need to see a little bit more of a rotation there. But you know when when Cravon LeBlanc and and Tracy or, and Jacoby Glenn and Devonte Bowsby are out there so much, you know, getting targeted and and some of those guys really struggling, and obviously we saw Glenn get cut this past week as a part of it, and we'll be curious to see how Demontre Hurst fits into this rotation, certainly this week. We'll, get, we'll come to that later, but there's a lot to like from this defense, all things considered, what's happened this season, and they're going against the Minnesota Vikings that have maybe potentially, now I don't know if I could say that their offensive line is worse than the Bears, but it's 
it's right up there. I mean, they, their center, Joe Berger, has been solid this year. But outside of that, their guards, Brandon Fusco and Alex Boone, have been very up and down. And we talked a little bit about their tackles at the opening of the show where, you know, they're, they've got the tackle three and four in there. And last week they started rotating their left tackle to the right side and rotating, you know, the fifth guy in there. And it really didn't work at all. It was kind of a, a nightmare. Everyone seemed to struggle there. So the Bears have a huge opportunity to get pressure on Sam Bradford. And we saw last week that pressure was really – his weakness, because he, he threw a couple interceptions. It might have just been one, now that I think about it, but a lot of inaccurate balls when he had guys in his face. And the Bears, they haven't had the best luck overall getting pressure this year. And I don't know if luck's the right word there, but they haven't had the best success getting pressure. It seems like, you know, last week against the Green Bay Packers, they finally started to get pressure on Rodgers only because he was holding the ball for too long. And in the past, they've gotten sacks. You know, Willie Young had five in that two-game stretch, but Really, that was sort of the, the extent of their pressure. They're not getting a ton of hurries and hits, and those are the things that really add up and get into a quarterback like Sam Bradford's head. So, I mean, this week, you absolutely have to see Leonard Floyd. Hopefully, he's a little bit more healthy. Hopefully, he builds off that two-sack performance last week and goes and gets after Sam Bradford. And maybe Pernell McPhee is a little bit better to play more than 19 snaps, and he can start to get back to some of his mojo and, and start to inspire this defense a little bit more because especially if they get stuck on the field too often, McPhee is the kind of guy that can come in, throw T.J. Clemmings to the ground, sack Sam Bradford, and really motivate guys like Tracy Porter and Adrian Amos to, to keep hustling, keep giving 100% on that back end, and really you know stick it out for the four quarters for this defense. Do you think pass rush is kind of the name of the game this week? Well, it's got to be the name of the game, Lauren. you got to get this rookie involved, put him in situational football and third-down situations or – known blitz situations where you're going to use him to his strength. His strength is to be a, a loop, speed, stomp, using those twists or those lightnings to get home on the quarterback and, and cause havoc in the backfield. Make that pocket menacing to a, a, a guy who's been injured, a guy who doesn't have the kind of mobility that you want in an NFL quarterback when it collapses in the pocket, he tends to make errors, you know, very similar to what we were talking about with Andrew Luck and um, Blake Bortles. This guy is not even in the ballpark of their athleticism. So to get him confined to that pocket and get Willie Young and and put McPhee and Willie Young in there on the first and second down. Bring the rookie in in third down rush situation. Let him know that you're coming home, that you're coming after him. Because you know what? This is the week that you really got to take advantage of those offensive tackles on the Minnesota Vikings. And you know, it's hard to be super confident about Leonard Floyd's role, like you talked about, you know, putting him in on pass rushing situations, because even last week against the Green Bay Packers, when he was all that successful, that wasn't necessarily, I mean, I didn't get the impression from Leonard Floyd's usage that that was the game plan. I mean, what it looked like to me was that they were going to put Floyd in for drives. So it was like, you know, we knew he's on a snap count, so they put him in. I think it was like the the first drive of the game he played, and they gave him a drive off, and he was back in there. And it just kind of happened that the Packers only ran the ball eight times when he was on the field, but it wasn't like they only put him in on, you know, long situations. I know he was in on a number of second and third and shorts when it would be running situations and the Packers just didn't run the ball because they didn't have a healthy running back. And so it turned into a lot of pass rushing opportunities that Floyd could take advantage of. But at the same time, it's, it's discouraging that 
he wasn't just put on put in on those third down situations like you talk about. And it's hard to be confident that that's going to change this week. It feels like he's going to, you know, even if he's not playing every snap, like he, if he's not healthy enough, if he's on another snap count, it seems like it's going to be another drive-by-drive drive thing where it's like this drive will be Floyd's drive, next drive will be McPhee's drive, and then we'll put Floyd back in there and do that kind of thing. It's not based on the situation or the play. It's just based on almost an arbitrary whose turn is it kind of thing of who needs snaps, who hasn't played very many snaps, who, you know, who's healthy enough to go, who isn't tired, and not putting your guys in necessarily the best situations for their skill sets. Yeah, I think you're going to be seeing the guy, Vic Fangio, who didn't like the term pitch count, had to like cave into the reality of it. Um, I just think he was out for a long period of time. He's not the biggest, you know, of physical athletes. So you're going to have to use him in the correct way or else you're going to ruin him. And I felt, I feel like this week is a situational week for the player. And I think that's the way for, that's the remedy for his success. And, you know, this game is going to be a lot more, just Leonard Floyd, especially for that pass rush. I mean, you're gonna see, you're gonna need a guy like Akeem Hicks who hasn't been per, perhaps quite as productive as you might. I mean, he has two sacks, you know, one against the Lions, one against the Colts. But you would like to see him finish a little bit more as a pass rusher, and they're gonna certainly need him to step it up. They're gonna need guys like Cornelius Washington, um, Jonathan Bullard, and even you know Sam Acho, who's been pretty poor, and of course Willie Young. They're going to need all these guys to really take advantage of what the Vikings offensive line is going to throw at them because it's not going to be much in their way, and they have to be able to consistently get pressure. And we saw, even against the Indianapolis Colts with another struggling offensive line, it's maybe a little better than the Vikings line, but not not necessarily a ton. They didn't get a lot of pressure. I mean, Young had three sacks in that game, I think, but like I said, it wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot of hits and hurries. There wasn't, I mean, luck wasn't under pressure enough and there were, he had a lot of time to throw on a lot of throws outside of those sacks and so I, it's concerning to me that even that the guys that they do have whether they can get that job done because this is the kind of offensive line where you don't need to blitz much you, sh- you shouldn't need to I mean you can if you want to get quick pressure and I, I'm certainly certainly think Vic Fangio will try to but you don't need to send six seven guys to get pressure you can do five you can just stunt with four guys out there you can probably get rushed with three sometimes on the way these offensive tackles are playing but at the same time i don't know if this front seven the way they've played this year at times i don't know if they're capable of that just because of their health because you got a lot of young and inexperienced guys that are either banged up or, or coming off injuries or you know any kind of situation with these players that it i just i just don't have a ton of confidence even against a bad minnesota vikings offensive line yeah, and you didn't even talk about, you know, our best defensive lineman might be rookie, uh, second-year player Eddie Goldman. Arguably, in my mind, he is. He's been absent. His He's not going to be ready for this game they announced today. So Will Sutton has been kind of blah in the middle, you know. Against Detroit, I thought he had a great game. But much like the... Bears with the coaching decisions, he kind of puts it in neutral here and has kind of been quiet the last couple of weeks. And, you know, not enough Jonathan Bull, uh, Mitch Unrein being used in there. These guys have to play better than they have. They've been quiet for a reason. 
because they're not playing well. And it's unfortunate because, you know, there isn't that much depth there. Goldman's still out. We talked about it last week about the lack of depth going into the thing. You cut C.J. Wilson despite playing him to keep a Paul Lasique on the roster, Lauren, just for one or two plays. This staff with this depth on the defensive line and how they rotate them kind of falls into place with what we were talking about originally with John Fox, but you really want to see the whole team. And I think Willie Young needs to be applauded because he's done a lot of the dirty work, even on uh, two of the one that should have been a sack, but two of the plays with uh, Leonard Floyd, Willie Young just absolutely dominates his man, creates the gap separation so the loop stunk will come clean and just works his way to the quarterback guy plays hard every down and he deserves a lot of credit out there this game has to motivate him on the edge because he knows that he can bully these offensive tackles from minnesota and one play could be the difference in a closely fought game so if you're able to do what you saw last week and then you get your veteran captain quarterback back you never know what can transpire if you really start to believe in your pass rush and before we before we quite open it up and and take calls i just want to touch on the the matchup here with the secondary and the vikings receivers real quick because you look at the the vikings depth chart at wide receiver and the names are not names that really jump out at you but at the same time they've got guys that are playing at very high levels i mean obviously stefan diggs starting to emerge as a, a very, very good young wide receiver in this league. And then you've got Laquan Treadwell, their first-run pick, hasn't really played much this year. He's not really mentally ready. And what a, what a novel ideal idea, Phil. He's your first-run pick, but he doesn't quite know the playbook, so they're not forcing him out there. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but then they, they also have Charles Johnson, uh, who's a veteran, who's always kind of been a journeyman, but he's playing a lot better for them this year and starting to make some plays for Sam Bradford. And then Adam Thielen, or Thielen, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, he's really stepped up as a, a no-name guy that's been a really reliable target for them, kind of like uh, Cameron Meredith has for the Bears. So they have, they don't have a lot of names, but they do have a lot of talented receiver. And it'll be, it, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you feel like guys like Devontae Bosby, if he, if he has to play, but really Porter and Callahan, who I don't know if Callahan's going to finish the game, but how do, how do you feel the Bears match up in the secondary in this game versus their receivers? Well, it's going to be a tough matchup. That's why the pressure's got to get home. It depends on the personnel. You know, they made an error last week. They should have had Demontre Hurst up last week and had given you another physical football player who could play outside at the corner and has played in the NFL in games. And Jacoby Glenn, his physicality finally wore its welcome and he really needs to get stronger because there's no questioning his talent. But when you look at when you talked about this in our Bears Wire, that you talked about Tracy Porter and being a letdown in the physicality department, he just gives you plays. He gives you plays where he quits. He quits being physical. He quits being aware. He slips on the ground. This is becoming a pattern for the last few weeks. He's not the defensive leader that you expected him to be 
and he's certainly not helping teach a young secondary to step up and make plays. That's what ultimately is missing out there. I like what I see from Cravon LeBlanc. I felt like he's a guy that's improving and can get better. I think, you know, you got to like what you see from the safety positions. I just think that Amos is the strong safety. I think that free safety position needs to be filled. It's shameful, Lauren, that fourth-round pick, Dion Bush, can't get on the football field. And 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 you then you get to see a lot of Chris Brzezinski and Harold Jones Corte. And ultimately this secondary has not come together due to injury. Um I mean, unknown in Kyle Fuller. You know how I feel about him going to the free safety position. It would be a perfect time for that had he been healthy. It would be immensely important to get someone that's gonna make a play on the back end. Get that pass rush going. Devontae Bosby, you know, one play looks good. The next play, he's, you know, reaching an air. He's got to be consistent. And you don't bench that kid. You, you you challenge him. You make him watch the tape. And you give him another shot. But I think Demontre Hurst has to be ready to go out there and play corner if Bryce Callahan is out again. And both corners seem to be a thorn in the side of Chicago Bears because they keep getting banged up. And I'm curious to see if they bring in DeMontre Hurst at safety at all. I mean, I know he's been kind of working at both for a while now. And if, oh, that's a good point. If they're not super confident in Harold Jones-Cortez appears, and obviously Chris Brzezinski goes out there and craps the bed pretty much every snap, I'd love to see DeMontre Hurst back there at free safety, you know, allow a guy like um, Adrian Amos to step up in the box and really – you can get creative with Hurst because you can bring him down in the slot on a play. You can really have, you can have him kind of play a, a hybrid safety corner role on a lot of plays and rotate he and Adrian Amos and, and disguise a lot of coverages that way because he can start out deep, come up and cover a wide receiver on the outside or out of the slot and really kind of mix up what you're able to do in coverage there. But again, it's another one of those hard to be confident in the Bears putting did you say, in the best position. Did you say creative? Oh, I know. I know. That's a, I can't use the C word right now with Vic Fangio, can I? Because it uh, hasn't happened. It just doesn't seem to be creative at all. That's the kind of – that, what you talked about, should have been the plan from the get-go. Using a chess piece like Demontre Hurst that can give you different looks but not make you less at a position. So if you – Kate brought him down and gave a look like he's the nickel, but he's really ultimately your safety in it. It would give Sam Bradford things to think about, and a thinking quarterback is not a winning quarterback. So once again, Lauren, you're talking things that just seem to not happen, not transpire, and it's unfortunate, but that's one of them. That would be a great call, actually, a great call by you using Demontre Hurst at the free safety. You then allows you to put Adrian Amos into strong safety where he fills the alley. He's physical. He's not afraid to take a chance. He feels more comfortable up there. It just seems like he oftentimes makes plays and his name is being called and mentioned when he's up there. So, to continue to, I, I know they're trying to cover the hole because they don't. The kid's a talented athlete. He's just not a ball hawk. 
And yeah, Phil, Devontae... he doesn't get interceptions, so he's not a playmaker. That's what Twitter told me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is asinine. And the reality behind that is a tackle in the box for a one-yard game is a playmaker. Exactly. A, a guy who's getting back into coverage and forcing the quarterback to make a different read and sh- offsets the time in his head and creates a sack is a difference maker. And we've guy, got – Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, I was going to transition. I say we've got a little under 20 minutes left in our show, so we'll certainly uh, open up the phones and be, be willing to take any calls. It's 608-467-5717 if anybody wants to call in and give their opinion on Bears, Vikings, or anything we've talked about on the show so far as far as getting creative with these guys because – you know, one thing I wanted to point out is that as much as we've seen a lack of creativity from this defense, and it's been very much cover one, cover three, four-man rush, everyone's rushing their gap, they've still played pretty well. I mean, we were just commenting on how well they played against the Green Bay Packers, all things considered, and how a lot of the games this year, it's been the offense that's let them down, and the defense has done its job for the most part. You know, they, they hold they hold teams to under 24 points in a game, and or even under 20 in a lot of matchups, and the offense just can't keep up with the defense and it's it it makes you wonder how much better they could be if they got more creative or how much better they could be with a fully healthy starting lineup because you've got your backup your your third fourth fifth cornerback in there you've got your third and fourth defensive ends in there a lot and they're still putting it together you know they give up a lot of yards kind of like the 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 reverse of the bears offense there but they they Mm -hmm. hold strong in that red zone we've seen a lot of guys step up and make plays in the red zone even tracy porter Yep. Didn't didn't really want to be physical anywhere else in the field. Last week we saw him, there was a throw Rodgers made to the flat, and I think he, the receiver, the tight end, was up on a linebacker, and Tracy Porter comes out of the end zone and knocks the guy at the two-yard line to keep him out of the end zone on the third or fourth and short on that play. And these guys, I don't know what exactly it is about that, but they get motivated when it matters most, and they make those plays to make stops. And they, Vic Fangio deserves some credit there. I mean, as much as we don't want to credit him for a lack of creativity, they – they do step up, and it makes you wonder where, you know, how, what is the ceiling of this defense if they really open things up and got players involved, or if Fangio just feels like he can't get creative because he doesn't feel like he has guys that can do that on a week of preparation, you know, that, or he doesn't, or John Fox won't let him bring up Demontre Hurst until this week, or you know, there's other things. It just feels like we've seen better from Vic Fangio from a creativity standpoint in the past, and it's almost impressive that. He's still able to get a defense that's holding opposing opposing offenses pretty well this season. Yeah, there's definitely that bend but don't break feel to this defense. Um, last week they made a play, they forced a turnover, as you said. There was points within the red zone where Cravon LeBlanc made a couple great plays, pushing the guy out of bounds as well as getting his hand in there at the last second and and alleviating the receiver from the football. And then they have their breakdowns, but that's to be expected if your offense is just continuously putting your defense in a bad position. And one thing that I really want to talk about when it comes to this defense, and this is strange, is the punter, Pat O'Donnell, has had a miserable season and he continues to have an up and down showcase when it comes to be with his punters and changing the field position. That's another thing that stresses your defense out. He has not been the consistent punter that you really want 
when it comes to a struggling offense or a team that's getting stuck and needs to get it out of there, he has not been able to do what he needs to do. That just kind of fits right along with Connor Barth as the kicker. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say that O'Donnell has been terrible, but he certainly hasn't been quite at the same level of punting that you want. We're not getting a lot of distance on your punt. His longest punt of the season this year is actually 51 yards, which seems pretty low <laughs> for him, especially exactly. the, the nickname Mega Punt. That's not that's not quite the mega you're looking for. And he actually hasn't had a punt with a hang time over five seconds, according to Pro Football Focus. So, you know, you're not seeing the, the height or the, or the distance. I mean, you're seeing a lot of You've seen a lot of sort of shorter, and they, they're getting decent hang time overall, and you've got a lot of fair catches as a result, but the, because they're not getting distance, I mean, only 28% of his punts have been returned this year, but it doesn't really matter if he's only getting it, you know, 39, 40 yards every time, and you're, you know, you're not flipping the field very well there, especially when a lot of these drives have stalled from their own side of the field. So if you're punting from the 20 and the other team's starting at the 40 as a result, I mean, it's just not... You need better from your punter. You need to be able to, to get the ball downfield. And again, it comes back to where's the competition? You know, where's the competition for Connor Barth? And where's the competition for Pat O'Donnell? You know, you don't have to sign. You don't have to use another roster spot on a punter or kicker because you just can't field two in this day and age. But at the same time, you got to get these guys in for workouts. And we just haven't heard anything about that whatsoever. And, Nothing. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's just surprising. From That's one of the areas you can really point to for Ryan Pace as something mm-hmm. he's not doing well because you you do need more from your punter and your kicker. Yeah, it's been a bag of bone, so to speak. You don't know what you're going to get. That same feeling <laughs> that we talked about with Robbie Gold getting nervous, almost like a horror movie, waiting for someone to pop out behind a door or a hallway, that's been Connor Barth, and that has also been your punter. And I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a punt blocked with how long he holds on to the football before punting. I don't want to jinx it, but it's become very obvious. This guy takes a one and a two and a punt. <laughs> and, and a good special teams coordinator is going to take their chances when they're backed up against this guy because he's not hitting it. And I believe you're right. There needs to be some sort of competition with punters being brought in to send a message that your job isn't safe. You need to get your head in the game and punt the football. And you're absolutely right about that. The time that he holds it from the snap. I mean, the long snappers are getting it there at a decent, at a decent mark, but he is holding it a lot longer than you'd like to see. I mean, it's not that he's like, you know, you know, it's hard to say he's taking his time because it's, it's all emotion, but his motion is just so slow. It seems like it's it's a lot. His steps are slow, and it's very mm-hmm. concentrated. It's hard to it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, we're getting into the finer details of punting here, so that's <laughs> that's a good uh, a good look at the Bears' season on, on a whole. But, I mean, he, he, you know, he catches it and he holds it down and does a step step punt, but it's, it's slow steps. It's slow drop of the ball to his to hitting his foot, and, and, and you're right. I mean, it is surprising that they haven't gotten blocked. I think we've seen a few where. Guys have gotten pretty darn close, and it kind of feels like this will be the week. You know what I mean? Now that we're yeah. actually talking about it and yeah. pointing it out. It's going to be the week. This will be, I just feel like Chris Brzezinski <laughs> or one of those guys is going to be, quote-unquote, blocking up front for him, and someone's going to get through. I mean, the Vikings, 
as you know, their special teams are a pretty solid group, even though their special teams coordinator is a bit infamous. He's the Mike Prefer, who uh, their their old punter, the, the guy, you know, the outspoken punter. There's um, what's oh, his name? Man. You know what I'm talking about. He was yeah, there forever. I can't remember his name either. But but anyway, their special teams coordinator, he's the one that said some uh, pretty offensive things about homosexuals and his political and religious beliefs based on that. But at the same time, they do they do have a pretty solid special teams unit. I mean, you know, they're not they're not they're no uh, Dave Tobe Bears by any means, but they're they're solid. Right. And I could easily see them pulling off the uh, pulling off the block punt for the first time this year. Well. Let's transition to something else since, you know, we're talking punters. <laughs> I love special teams. Let's talk about, let's talk about the, the location of the long snaps. Well, like we could do. Points. This, does, low. this does fall under special teams then. Could we get an understanding? Well, two points. Who's controlling this roster? To me, the feel and look is John Fox. A guy like Deontay Thompson, I just don't understand how Daniel Braverman is not up. Your slot receiver gets hurt, and you put Josh Bellamy in there. Now, I like Josh Bellamy, but he's not going to give you quick twitch routes that are going to get him open. You saw him get deep twice. Once he made a great play on a shit ball. And the other time, he's wide open for a touchdown coming across the hash. And Mr. Hoyer throws it seven yards behind him and about four yards under. So Josh Bellamy should be used on the outside. And when he beat this route was when he was running from the outside. Eddie Royal being banged up. Deontay Thompson not doing anything. Has he even had a... A pass thrown his way, one ball, I believe, this I, whole I, year. I, I think I think you're right on that. I mean, he's only played like 15-ish total snaps on offense even. I mean, not really having much. He's actually played 30 offensive snaps to be precise. And he actually played 16 last week against Green Bay because they just had, you know, even fewer wide receivers. But uh, two targets against Green Bay, one catch for four yards. Well, listen to this because – it seems to me that the Bears are better off catching the ball on a kickoff and downing it and giving the team the ball at the 25. Because he's had one good return, I believe, against the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe he had another one earlier against the Texans. But the reality is the risk is not worth the reward there. Just down the ball. And get the ball you know, offense started at the 25 with a younger team. It just makes zero sense on that end. Why he's even on the roster and not a guy like Braverman who could help you in the pass game and also be a part of the return game. He could just fair catch it if that's the case for now. The reality is these are the kind of questions that make you question this coaching staff because – it seems to me John Fox has complete control of who's playing and who's on the 53. He, uh, Brian Pace gets you the talent, and then that's it. So you're stuck with benching Jay Cutler, pulling Jordan Howard out of the game, letting Kadeem go. Then pull, Kadeem gets hot. All of a sudden, he's out of the game. 
the opposite of what you're told is happening, and that's disappointing. Yeah, you know, Deontay Thompson, his average on kick returns this year is 21.2 yards, and he's only had uh, three kickoff returns go for longer than 25 yards. You were right, it was a long of 32 against the Indianapolis Colts, a long of 29 against the Detroit Lions, and a long of 26 against the Houston Texans. So clearly... I mean, I don't know how you can see, you can watch his kickoff returns and feel like he's getting the job done there. I mean, you just need to get someone else involved. And some of that goes on his blocking, certainly. I mean, we can't put it right. all on the kickoff return man. But after seven games of this, you got to feel like somebody else could maybe do a little bit of a better job because you're not seeing him force a lot of missed tackles as a return man. And you're not seeing him do, you know, not everything is, is super measurable as far as what a kickoff return man does as far as how he sets up his blocks. But you're not seeing him do the kind of things that can put himself into a bigger position. It seems like he goes down on first contact quite a bit as a return man and at least put someone else out there, give someone else an opportunity. You don't have to necessarily just cut Deontay Thompson and throw Daniel Braverman in there and just make it, make that the permanent change. I mean, just rotate somebody in for a kickoff. You know, put a guy like, I don't know, Cravan LeBlanc, if, if you feel comfortable with him. I mean, they experimented with a few different guys. How about this teams. How about this you got Jeremy Langford coming back this week. There you go. How about you put him back on kick return? A guy that can run a 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four, four kind of guy that's going to be physical or have a nose to where he's supposed to run. That would be a good way to also get rid of Thompson. Same thing. Bring up Daniel Braverman and start working the slot receiver like you're supposed to. This kid could be an offensive threat in the red zone that helps everybody out because of what the slot can do and Eddie Royal being continuously banged up, Lauren. Continuously, you know, he'll show up and show out, and then he's down. He missed, I believe, you know, against the Packers. He comes back against the Jaguars, gets hurt again after he made a big play. You know, no offense to Eddie Royal. I think he's a great football player, but he just can't stay healthy. Uh, a healthy football player helps the team. Obviously, an unhealthy one in the club in the tub doesn't help the club. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, it was it was encouraging to see him go. I think it was like the first four weeks without being on the injury report. Eddie Royal, that is, and it's. It was kind of like you were kind of almost waiting for it to happen, and now it's like, yeah, he missed the Green Bay game, and he's been bad on this this knee or this calf injury. And then I think his official out reason for the Green Bay was a toe injury, so you're starting to see it add up a little bit. And he and Bryce Callahan have kind of been the, 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 the same story, offensive and defense, the slot guy who's been playing better this season to start, you thought, and then now he's banked up and can't stay on the field. And it's been disappointing, you know what I mean? And you don't know – and it's hard to know exactly what you have from – either one moving forward because it's like I, I don't know if I can rely on this guy week to week especially when you're looking at a season like this that's kind of done basically you kind of know where the season's going so you're looking at guys that you you know do you want to keep this guy around for next year and I don't know if it's worth keeping Eddie Royal around at, at his paycheck and I don't know if it's worth relying on Bryce Callahan of, okay we know we have our slot corner well do you because you don't know if you're going to have Bryce Callahan every week and that, that makes it tough for Ryan Pace you know, it's not like an Alshon Jeffrey situation where he's so good that you have to franchise tag him and keep him around, to, you know, and just give him another year to, to prove that he can stay healthy. It's like with Callahan and Royal, you kind of have to make a decision or 
because you have to plan the rest of your team sort of around and rest of the rest of their position around their health. And another guy that kind of fits in that bill, I think, is Tracy Porter, who he's been a little bit. He's had better health in the past, I think, but he's been battling knee injury for the last five weeks now, kind of on and off the field. And he's a guy who's, you know, they just signed him to that three-year deal this offseason. But like Shane talked about, I think he was the first one to bring it up. And I didn't I didn't buy it at first, but now I really do as we're getting down to about three minutes left in the show, just a heads up. Um, Porter's a guy who's, who's guaranteed money is done after this year, so they could theoretically cut him one year after having just signed him to that three-year deal. It was kind of a one-year guaranteed and then two we'll-see years, and if he continues to not give that effort and continues to be banged up here, I could easily see that happening as they try and really reboot this cornerback position as a whole. But like I said, Phil, we are getting extremely low on time here, so maybe we'll just go for one last thought for you on this Bears-Vikings game. Do you want to <laughs> Do you want to throw out a prediction maybe, or should we save that for the prescription prediction coming up tomorrow? <laughs> Well, actually, we're going to bring that out Monday morning. Oh, excuse me. Monday morning. So, so maybe, we're gonna, maybe it is a little premature tonight. <laughs> yeah, it is a little premature. but So I just think the Chicago Bears think we focus in on what they need to do in order to win. And hopefully you remember this come Monday night. They have and they have and they have to Go after the defensive line by being physical and using angles to run the football. Using angles, being able to call out the front so you can get an advantage on that defensive line so you can run the football and help your offensive line. That in and of itself is the most important thing to begin because once you start pounding those guys, they get tired and they – aren't as good at pass rushing. Don't let them pin their ears back. You already are weak on the offensive line, lacking those two guards. So you're going to have to run the football to pound that defensive line, almost like a boxer giving body blows and jabs until you can knock them out by tiring them out and then controlling them so you can allow your quarterback to do what he does best make plays on the move, create plays, as well as go deep down the football field. And that's going to have to do it for here for us here at Bears Hour Live. Thanks for listening to this preview show. Like we announced, we'll be doing a post-game show and a preview show for every, every week for the rest of the season. So join us 30 minutes after Bears-Vikings, and we'll take your calls and break down the game. But that's going to have to wrap it up here as we're running out of time. For Philatosian, this is Lauren Cox. Thanks for listening to Bears Hour Live.